0: Welcome to the Draw Shop's Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hey guys. Thanks for downloading another Get Genius episode. I'm super excited for you to hear our guest today. His name is Warren Lorenz, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Tech Meets Trader, which is a social community for active investors, something that's not currently being done in this industry, which is why I wanted to have him on the show, one to talk about you know, disrupting In industry and doing something that uh, these investors and traders really. Probably needed, whether they were asking for it or not, it was definitely something that they needed. And uh, based on the results that he's getting and the engagement he's getting, they're really stoked that he's provided this platform for them. So we talk about that and and starting it up because uh, it's important to hear stories um, of startups and and the journey to get there. His journey began uh, as a teenager. He's now 24 years old. Um, And it's a really cool story how he became interested in finance and how he has raised quite a bit of money for a young bloke. Yes, he's pretty experienced in uh, capital raising and the whole finance industry, trading, investing, leadership. He's got really sound advice on becoming a, a good leader and what that takes and how to maintain a really good dynamic between you and your team, and that includes investors if you do have a startup. Um, and we talk about the process of a, a startup, and especially when it comes to technology startups and building that and how to, how to stay on track, not get too overwhelmed, not try to get too big and get all feature happy as uh, I am noticing a lot of people doing when they go out to build platforms and apps and any kind of technology. So there's some really great advice on that and um, also just, of course, experience. And I just found it really intriguing because he is only 24 and yet he has so much wisdom and often we forget to look at these young entrepreneurs in what they're doing and, and fail to realize that they can actually offer so much, uh, education and advice based on their experience, even if it hasn't been as long as our experience. And it's pretty fascinating and inspiring how he can learn from other failures within his circle, from family, friends, um, other influencers that he looks up to, and even his own. So it's it's a really good interview. It's about an hour long, and I think you're going to take away a lot, whether you are an investor or not, Uh, just being an entrepreneur, a leader, and uh, maybe somebody who is in that startup phase or looking to raise capital. capital, You're going to get a lot out of it. Enjoy the interview, and of course, we will have links to everything that we talk about. Hey, Warren. Welcome to the Get Genius Podcast.
1: How's it going, Summer? Great to hear from you.
0: It's great to hear from you, too. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today because you have, um, I think you have a different industry than um, a lot of our other guests so this is going to be awesome and of course like many of our guests you're doing something that's uh, totally different in your industry. (laughs) That's right. Yeah so um, but before we get into all of that good stuff I want to kind of talk about Warren 10 years ago and what you were doing and what brought you to what you're doing today.
1: So 10 years ago, that's a great question, Summer. Um, I guess I was, well, 14. And uh, I was working construction in my summers and playing hockey, uh, lacrosse every single day. Um, I was a competitive athlete. And um, I mean, I was just a normal average kid. I was decent at school, not spectacular. um, But, you know, athletics was really my passion. It kind of taught me uh really how to be self-motivated um, trying to work towards a goal and work as a team so uh, I was 10 years ago a, a little rambunctious and we've settled down now thank God but uh, <laughs> yeah so yeah
0: So how did you how did you get interested in the world of investments and corporate financing?
1: Right so as I mentioned before I was, when I was working construction my, some my, my father, uh, he had me working construction, actually, since I was four years old during my summers. It um, started with walking around the entire job site that you would have and I'd have to pick up cigarette butts so I'd never smoke. Um, and then I graduated to working in a mechanic shop and uh, doing mechanical work and whatnot. And ultimately, throughout the summers, I had saved up, uh, you know, a good sizable portion of funds. Um, so when I was 16, I was a junior in high school, I had my po- my parents co-sign for me on a brokerage account because uh, I was injured in lacrosse. And I was actually tore my ACL and my meniscus. And I remember being in the bed in, uh, of the hospital and Jim Cramer came on. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with mad money, but I was just enthralled by the the sports centered like environment that the stock market kind of just organically uh, ensues, if you will. And, So the competition was was there, but it was in, you know, business. And so uh, I was able to kind of reapply my love for competition from sports to stocks at the time. And I became, you know, through that period, really, really involved and ultimately got really lucky um, when I first started investing. So that was the same time around uh, right after Facebook was IPOing, I remember. They started at $24 and, you know, dipped down to, I think it was like $17 at one point, I remember getting in around like 19 and uh, similar to Netflix I was in around like 47 so I was probably really really lucky and from there I just realized that um, you know, it was always something I was going to love and, and have a passion for but I actually didn't think it was going to be a career until I got to engineering school and realized that uh, I might not be the best engineer on the block. <laughs> I was sitting in Calculus 3 and um, I remember it came so naturally to my professor and some of the kids around me and for me I was studying like twice maybe three times as long as they were and this is my hint I think that you know in order to uh, find my way I think I need to go back to what I'm good at and the only thing I really realized that I knew was kind of financial markets um, you know that was kind of a hobby that I wanted to self-educate myself And and, um, so while I was in engineering school, I got an internship actually at Northwestern Mutual where I ended up surpassing um, the sales goals needed to become a full-time representative and get my Series 7 and Series 66 financial licenses. So as a freshman in college, I was also a um, registered investment uh, representative is what it's called. Um, so, as a registered investment advisor working uh, with financial planning and you know, looking at different types of portfolios based off of um, risk tolerances and, and time uh, horizons and things of that nature, and it really just sucked me in, and I uh, couldn't go back.
0: So, did you were you raised in an environment that had this strong interest in finance? Or do you feel like it was just something that you grew interested in on your own?
1: No, so my uh, I guess my brother, he's three years older than me, was the first one I family to go and finance. My whole other side of the family is a bunch of farmers uh, and construction workers and um, you know the greatest, greatest people, but they um, yeah, different industry. so um, different skill sets as well so, uh, I was, I guess, I'm the first one to deviate from, you know, the construction slash real estate route, um, and uh, I guess I'm more of a computer geek as well. So I'm taking the complete opposite end of the spectrum.
0: So cool! I I love that. I love how that happens with, you know, people kind of come from these totally opposite <laughs> interest in their family. Sorry, I was and, sorry,
1: it was that top three class, really. Was yeah.
0: <laughs> so you have experience in raising capital. What, what was the first experience for you? Because I think it's interesting for some of our entrepreneurs, listeners that are either raising money themselves for a new startup Or um, are looking to others to raise money, and I I noticed there's a lot of fear around that. Can you tell us about like your first experience raising capital that really put you into this like feeling of confidence?
1: Right. Um, So, as I mentioned before, when I was working at Northwestern Mutual, um, the end of my sophomore year, I was contacted by an upcoming startup, a tech startup. Um, that uh, specialized in alumni engagement. Uh, It was a mobile application and they were moving to desktop and um, they had a really great idea and they were, you know, really, really great at uh, selling the product, but they didn't understand how to raise capital. Um, So right after taking the Series 766, I was kind of naturally, um, he was one of my friends as well, so one of the guys that he would go to to start asking questions and um you know i started being able to advocate for the company and i actually believed in it so i gave them a modest investment and started telling others and when i realized their response i i, I knew that there was something special because you know i wouldn't have invested in myself if i didn't believe in it and um i knew that there was true potential behind the the, the dream and the vision um and so i saw that it would be very easy to you know help them raise capital and ultimately they saw my skill sets and um they reached out to me and said that they were raising at the time it was uh a quarter of a million and so uh you know within the first couple of weeks, I was able to secure from various high net worth individuals reaching around in my network um that uh they i think it was around seventy five thousand dollars seventy five thousand dollars and then um I found another one more investor that provided the the seed, if you will, to the rest of the remaining two uh, two hundred fifty thousand. Um, so that was like our, our first step through the door, and right after that point, we received call from five hundred startups where we were accepted into five hundred startups uh, Mountain View office batch thirteen, um, and it was really exciting. You know, we. Uh, we we all were moving out, going to San Francisco, and we were gonna live in a house together. We we're gonna yeah, six of us actually mm-hmm. in a two bedroom apartment. Um, and uh, my actually my today my co founder, uh, he's also my roommate, but we actually we shared the living room. So uh, he would get the couch, and I had a blow up air mattress. And for uh, eight months, I helped this company, you know, grow their finance department and uh, raise capital. So. In total, you know, throughout the experience, we raised about uh, 1.2 million dollars, and um, I, I exited the firm in order to start Tech Trader, uh, my current company, with my co-founder. Um, and uh, you know, we, we um, I, I wish them the best. You know, they're a great group of guys, and um, you know, it was a great, great. First step through the door and a capital raise for me, and kind of seeing the intricacies of convertible notes and um, convertible debt and how that you know plays into effect for future rounds and various cap situations and yeah.
0: So what are the, some of the things that you, um, if you were to raise again, what were some of the takeaways that you would do the same or some things that you would do differently?
1: Right. So. I would say that the biggest thing I would consider is the overall contribution to the, of the investor to the firm. Um, you know, it's raising capital in the traditional sense of what most startups think of is um, the actual investment—a you know, in exchange for some share, a percent of ownership, or the right to uh, you know purchase shares in the future um, of ownership. You know, and that's equity is the most expensive form of financing, which is contrary to popular belief, right? If you can establish a business that's cash flowing, you know, at least one stream of cash flow, you can scale that, you can show and leverage that, right? Um, Interest rates today are so low that, you know, a lot of times it makes sense to go and take a business loan out if you guys can qualify, which is difficult, right? And so the traditional path is, you know, you want to start having the validation of a seed investor and start moving your way up to series A and, um, you know, actual equity rounds. And that's kind of the natural progression of companies are going IPOs, but what I feel is undervalued is, um, you know, what people look at it as their only source of financing, um, which is really should be themselves in the business. Um, and so I wouldn't caution against re- getting capital, but it's a, it's a partnership that you, I would make sure that people are, are aware that it's not just a check um, that you know, it's, it's a system of checks and balances at that point, And you have responsibility, a fiduciary responsibility um, to those investors, even if they are minority. Uh, Mistake, and because I mean at least for me I never want to be at to look across the table and say I lost your money um right so having that integrity as a entrepreneur is is pretty difficult you don't see it a lot but it's it's what makes people successful and and that integrity piece of I'm not going to let you down and I'm going to do everything I can to accomplish what I'm telling you I will um which doesn't always happen it is it's a uh it's a it's a Humbling experience. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, and I think it's really refreshing to hear that because, um, you know, I think there's still people in their later fifties and sixties that are raising capital, and it is all about the check. And they kind of right. they overlook the the overall contribution, like you said. What other value do they bring? Because it is a partnership, and it's not just about that check. And I think later on you you'll see the results of that when it is just the check. <laughs>
1: Right. hundred percent. And, you know, they're going to be the first ones that are asking for distribution uh, in a later equity round, you know, or um, dividends are going to push you to, you know, start distributing dividends maybe when you're trying to grow their firm and reinvest the cash flows. Um, you know, so it's things in the future where people get sometimes nearsighted and instead of making, you know, I'm going to sleep on the floor with uh, my six best friends and we're going to, you know, eat, sleep and live together and, and make this dream come to a reality together, um, you know it's not as glorious, but at the end of the day it build, helps build a better business because um, you guys are all in sync, and uh, it really really solidifies the team and the vision, and uh, also it teaches you how to be lean, which is ultimately you don't want to be wasting other people's money anyways because it's the most expensive form of financing, right so of course uh, yeah
0: yeah really, really building that foundation because you always have that to fall back on, whereas if it crumbles at the top and you didn't do that, then you're kind <laughs> of
1: <you're> going <laughs> <Definitely>. down <laughs> exactly. no one wants to have one of those conversations no and, uh, no that's definitely not the goal
0: so let's talk about um leadership, and okay. I know I know you're you're a competitive guy, I happen to love competition, I think it's a good thing it's what you know, um, allows us to innovate new things. Let's talk about being competitive. And do you think that that's necessary to be a good leader? 100%.
1: Uh, you need to hate, you need to hate losing just as much as you love winning. I mean, I'm sure it's a cliche. Um, people have heard it before, but you know, it's, it's not just a, the victory and, and the celebration—that's kind of the glory, right? But also love the journey. Um, the the journey of the competition when you're, you know, head to head and you're battling for market share or um, to, uh, let's say, get new users and, and grow your user base or something of that nature. You know, it's a constant strategical, uh, you know, battle that you're going through. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh,
0: so I know like a, a lot of people <laughs> in, will say, you know, try to put everyone, let's be fair, let's be equal. And competition is not necessarily a good thing to them. Right. What, how would you argue that, that it is?
1: It's all about incentive. It's about empowering your team. Uh, So it's really not about saying I'm the captain and I call the shots, that's just not true leadership, you know, right, so when you think of the competition, you you want it to be healthy, you want it to be kind of self-fostering, you know, you don't want to put pressure on others, you want to have people want to perform well, right, so you don't want to have to tell people or provide an environment that's like a pressure cooker where people get overstressed and they don't perform optimally. But you want people to want to succeed because it's in their best interest, because it makes them feel empowered, because they're working towards a better mission, right? And so, by combining, by helping coach those individuals to be that person, you you are a leader and things get done, right, but your team also gets better. They learn more and ultimately become more productive. Um, uh, uh, my, but one of my buddies, Brandon Vega, is a perfect example. Um, where, you know, he started off as, uh, just researching oil, right? And now he's doing, uh, he's trading every day in the markets alongside us, running marketing campaigns, helping do video campaigns, and he had zero experience before. And it's just because he was able to jump into those situations, adapt, and execute and also have the competition of i don't want to fail because this is our lives that's in our hands right so you make it a team uh vision and it's not then it's not just you as an individual as you as a leader it's us as a team and it's more motivating that way um as a team you guys are competing together against whatever purpose you're trying to overcome
0: and i love that you're that you're saying this because i think it's so important for people to recognize. Sometimes people view competition as something that's going to tear a team apart or it's something where you look at your competitors in business and, you know, it's like, "Ooh, stay away from them." <laughs> when actually your competitors can, you know, really be collaborators with you and I think it actually brings you all closer in terms of achieving that that big goal and whatever industry that is, you know, if, if somebody else is doing something better than we are, well then great, that's just going to make us want to do better. And then it's going to make them want to do better. And all we're doing is creating something better for, for the world.
1: Right. hundred percent. And that's why we should be doing what we're doing And whatever we are doing is that's the whole purpose, right? It's something that can be, have longevity, you know, build a legacy. Um, and, you know, ultimately represent your name in the future, right? For other gender- generations, so by having that mentality, everyone gets there. Um, at least in what traditionally people think of as the American dream.
0: So true. So, who are some of the influencers that inspire you in in your role in leadership?
1: In leadership, in particular, I would have to say my father. Um, he's my he's my idol. I mean, I watched him. Grow from a very young age. Uh, he started a construction firm with his father. Um, he was there with, you know, six employees. They started it, um, and um, my dad was in college, working in wiring houses and things of that nature. And took a company from, you know, ten, fifteen people to now he's managing projects and uh, huge cro- uh, projects with what over two thousand people. You know. Underneath him, whether it's subcontractors or you know direct employees, things of that nature, working on projects of under his type of control. So seeing the way in which he empowers others, um, motivates others, and, and grows you know them and embraces them as family, it's amazing. You know, I uh, I hadn't really, especially in our generation, you don't see people that are excited to stay at a firm for a long period of time, um, and he's able to do that and. Um, I mean, he's not only just a leader, but he's also a great father, right? So he's, for me, the the ideal type of individual and he's, you know, had his success in his industry, um, and I like love him and praise him for that. Uh, but most importantly, he has the biggest impact uh, around the community around us, whether it's, you know, donating things for, for others, um, you know, working on a project without, taking a profit just for the fact of uh, giving back to the community, right? It's the things like that that um, really show the integrity and, you know, that it's more than just how big you can grow your company and, um, you know, what your profit margins are. It's really like what are the values you can help and the families you can support and uh, take along the journey with you. That's so so great.
0: And I'm sure you find yourself as you get older and you go through, you know, your experiences, you appreciate it even more.
1: Right. A hundred percent. And, you know, through failures the most, I would say, Um, when you feel like everything is going to come to an end in a moment's instant and you sit there as an entrepreneur banging your head against the wall, um, (laughs) you kind of, it's kind of daunting and they're like wow how can he can do it and i can't but it's it, with things like that by being competitive and saying well no he he did it i can do it too and there's no difference and just kind of refusing to lose um and accepting no for an answer and really gets you to the next step in the problem solving phase um and so yeah it's it's been great to be able to um fail and have him support me and coach me as well you know it, we're across country, and we've been cross country for the past three years. But we still talk every day, and uh, he's definitely helps strategize and coach me through managing my my life and operations and things of that nature. Because you know, I mean, I'm, I'm getting the I'm getting the business cycle and you know the whole the whole CEO thing down for the most part. But uh, my schedule handling and, and my emails and things of that nature, I could be, I could improve on for sure. So. <laughs> we all are grown in our own way.
0: Well, it's, what's so cool is that we learn, obviously, we learn from our own, you know, failures or whatever you want to call them. But like you also for, for the parents out there listening is that I think sometimes parents try to conceal their failures in front of their children. And yet, actually, that can be some of the most important lessons that they learn is how you deal with those failures and how you problem solve. So it's so cool that you have that relationship. I think that's what makes a truly good influencer is how they deal with that, because it's wonderful to see somebody, you know, completely having success after success, but it's so much more powerful to see how they've made those successes from failures.
1: Right,
0: 100%. So let's talk about tech meets trader and kind of give us like the the run through of what it is and how it's the first of its kind and why you decided to to start this
1: right so tech Trader is a social community for stock and option investors uh we're a platform where we allow investors and self-directed active investors to uh, create their own groups they have chat rooms they have a trade feed where they can post their entry and exit positions uh, alongside the supporting analysis of each trade, so what's happened is, Summer is as technology is advanced. Um, you know, it, there used to be traditional trading pits where uh, you'd see active investors going, you know, working for an institution, and they're looking up at the um, you know, look up at the screens or boards, and you know, they're they're trading on the spot. Where now, given technology, with two thousand. tech boom everything's moved to the online uh, realm if you will so the retail industry has experienced a massive 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 growth For and um, it's providing a a fragmented industry nonetheless because no one's really found a way to consolidate and organize it and really alter and cater to the specific at-home trader who's isolated staring at a wall of screens Um, and so and that's why we, we created our platform where it's a we're we're in the crosshairs between uh, online brokers uh, education and um you know social media and we really do a full encompassing service so for those that are looking for education our most proprietary feature what makes us you know different as well the combination is uh we have live screencasted trading where we partner with companies and they actually onboard their user base and they a chat room and their live screencasted, uh, charts in real time, um, for the moderators to trade live, uh, teach others. Um, and, uh, they also post entry and exit positions and things of that nature. So it's the true essence of learning and while you're earning, uh, and it's all for free, which is great. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a growing beast, but, uh, I'm really excited that it's going the way it's going Um, and we've launched actually only two months ago and in the first two months of our Technics Traders existence we had uh, over almost 2,000 actually uh, users, almost 2,000 users already sign up, we recorded over 400 hours of live trading uh, screencasts. We yeah, we've seen over 10,000 direct messages sent throughout our platform. Um, which is, I mean, it's, it's, there's a heartbeat, right? So it's really encouraging to see, um, and especially how hard the teams worked. Uh, it's phenomenal to finally have it up and running and being able to have the first product problems and navigate through them smoothly.
0: So how, how long ago did you come up with this idea?
1: So TechMitch Trader, we came into, let's see. I would say in March um, was our first true essence of the Tech News Trader, first line of code, rather, of Tech News Trader. Um, March, of yeah,
0: last, last March, 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 so it's.
1: 2016, okay. yeah. So uh, we, at the time, had already built a celebrity trading platform. I had met another investor who I was talking to on Facebook, actually. And we built him um, a platform for him and his following because I was following his trades as well and we were talking about uh, market insights and I figured that he would be a great income source for him to have his own platform where he could communicate directly to his followers exactly what they want and so we were trying to solve this problem and we ended up launching the platform for him and um, we were actually doing quite well we were doing I think in our first month we were doing six or no we did8, thousand dollars in revenue in our first month um, then it went to 12. And that's when I realized that really it was scalable on the tech side for me, because we were only getting a certain percentage The business deal wasn't right. And I wanted to take the overall uh, analytics that we had learned and um, we had collected and being able to extrapolate information on and optimize the experience for all retail investors. So um, at, the, at the very beginning, it started with the pitch. Uh, actually our university pitch day at the University of San Diego where we won $25,000 and it was a great catalyst for us to really start our next project which is our final project now um, and having a uh, you know market ready platform that can handle and scale and you know quickly iterate on itself so we've come a long way.
0: And did you did you test it before before you launched it to to the market?
1: Yes, of course. So we we were testing through the entire beta stage. There um, we were working with a celebrity investor, and then you know through the entire build out phase, we would go on the platform. My team and I, and uh, it was called QA team, and uh, we would report bugs through. Uh, at the time, we we're using Trello, so we would have um, you know our Scrum like backlogs and we'd, uh, we'd go through each feature, we'd flag different uh, bugs within the feature and then send it back to our dev and put it in their backlog. Um, it was great, we could uh, uh, comment and you know track everything, but once we moved to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jira, we were really able to um, scale and, and uh, manage everything through quality assurance a lot more effic- efficiently. Uh, because we have more, you know, people on our team, right? So, uh, it's made a lot of sense.
0: And are you, is this web-based only or is it an app as well?
1: So right now it's only web-based. It's fully mobile, mobile responsive, um, you know, with iPads and even TVs, right? So for our live screen uh, screencasts, you can actually put the charts up on a screen, and uh, or TV rather, and, you know, it will be all to scale. Um, same thing with your phone or tablet, but uh, we do not have a mobile application. Um, we uh, we have that backend for it, and it's coming soon, but we don't have a release date yet.
0: So I have so many questions because I know so many of our audience will have these questions. Um, <laughs> finding the right dev team. Yes. Tell us your your experience if you can, as much as you can, and you know how you how you landed on the right one.
1: Right. So I actually was contacted, uh, through LinkedIn and everyone gets contacted if you ever have a, you know, I'm sure as you well know, Summer, uh, title as a CEO, everyone gets contacted. If you have an executive title, they just, everyone wants to just send you emails and, uh, try to connect and, you know, build business relationships. And so I went through about 17 different firms, Uh, Sourcing firms, and I was receiving quotes from all over, you know from uh, $15 an hour to $250 an hour, Um, and then I wanted to do more of a monthly uh, fixed fee and um, and so we were you know starting negotiating through that for per developer based off their skill sets and I found this one firm that had contacted me, which is always great because you know that they want to do business with you. Um, And I gave her the uh, opportunity, you know, we sat, we had a meeting and um, the one differentiator for her firm was that she allowed us to try out uh, two developers for one week completely free and we gave them projects based off of our code stack and our environment. Um, and their, you know, areas of expertise, and we had them complete those assignments within the week to audit their code. So it turned out that the uh, developers that we had were, were great. We hired one of them; the other one didn't get hired. And then um, the next time we were getting more developers, we, you know, did the same process over and over, and it worked really well for us because we were able to ensure that the the code was of quality, the logic was. Um, good and you know efficient and uh, everything worked the way it should. And our CTO, he's phenomenal. I mean, he when it comes to computers, oh my goodness, he builds them, he codes them, he teaches them through AI. You name it, this guy's he's he's a freak. Wow. Did you was he, he did
0: you have a CTO before you had your dev team?
1: Yes, yes. So my CTO is actually my co-founder Albert Frimpong, Um and he is. Uh, I mean, he's my day one business partner Um, from the the capital raise at our old firms. I hired him actually there um, while we were both uh, at the University of San Diego. And um, I had only known that he uh, knew computer programming because he was in my fraternity. And everyone was talking about the applications that he had built. So, um, by you know, when we combined forces, we... It's, it was truly powerful because my experience was in finance and it was, it was in technology. And it wasn't until I went through a, a Coding Dojo, which is a software boot bootcamp um, in uh, Silicon Valley. It's, it's in Mountain View, I believe. Um, and, I, and I went through a three-month program uh, where I learned three different dev stacks and actually learned how to um, think like a software engineer. No, I will not call myself one. Uh, Developer, right? I can do uh, some things. I'm actually much better when I'm coding on the market and financial exchanges than I am building a web-based application. But um, it's really great to have Al to lean on because, like I said before, he he. when it comes to auditing and most efficient code, he's he's your guy.
0: What advice do you have to those who have an idea? You had your idea about a year ago or so. And you know how you have your baby. Um, and I'm gathering some things have shifted and, and changed along the way. What what advice do you have for people at that idea stage before entering into the getting a CTO if they don't already have one and, and hiring a, a dev team?
1: The best advice I would have to say, Summer, honestly, is that they need to look at themselves first. Um, and they need to look at themselves as a toolbox and kind of decipher what skills that they have and what skills they're gonna need to accomplish their goal. Um, if someone in, in, that has a significant interest in the business, whether it's your co-founder or um, someone that you give significant equity to or you pay a large cash balance for, which is unlikely as an idea stage, right? So equity type co-founder, it's typically ideal. Um, The advice I would say is look at yourself like a toolbox and evaluate can you get the job done and execute based off what you know and what you're good at. And if the answer is no, well then you have some learning to do. Um, And There's no shame in getting a job at one of those firms and learning that skill and becoming the best at it so that you can succeed in the marketplace, but it's really, really important to be able to do it all. whatever business you're in you know you need to be able to coach and walk through every portion so that you have a good understanding of the underlying business how everything operates your opportunity through your code base and how you can actually at least if you're in software um you know the opportunity your code base provides just through the stack itself uh the i mean people on they undervalue the technology that's out there and the different combinations of um, let's say, different stacks and technologies, so we use, you know, graph databases and um, AI uh, um, to help optimize our experience, but with without having the, the understanding of, um, let's React Native and then, uh, let's say, Cypher queries or some, right, you can talk about some technical stuff here, but without having an understanding of how it all works. It's very difficult to move forward in the next portion or iterate when things go wrong um, or solve a problem when a problem occurs. So, as a leader, as a CEO, you know that that's already your job, right? You're always that's what we do. We we put out fires all day, right? Um, and so you need to be able to put out the fire.
0: So, how when you're when you're first developing this platform, how do you keep yourself from? you know, um, I'm trying to remember that term where, you know, like people, people want so many features and they think of like, you know, what it's going to look like five years from now.
1: The Steve Jobs syndrome.
0: Yes, exactly. I
1: don't know if that's a thing, but that's what we call it with our team. Right.
0: And, and, you know, and I've been, I've been through this, this process as well, where it's like, Oh, you want it to do this, you want to do that. But ultimately you also know that in order to have a successful, successful beta testing and launch, it needs to be as simple as possible. And you can always, I mean, platforms are always going to evolve into something better based on your on your users and the feedback that they give you. How right. um, did you go through that experience?
1: I would say it was we did 100%. Um, not in the sense where we had Steve Jobs that were trying to innovate uh, crazy features or anything on the platform, um, but more in the sense of, trying to get everyone to articulate what's uh, wrong in their eyes because everyone that we are working with on the QA side, which is the quality assurance team, um, they're also traders. So we all are trading every day in the market. Um, So our whole team are multifaceted. We do, you know, it all, the three of us on the business side do um, the marketing, we do, you know, the email campaigns, we'll do landing pages, also, we trade, right? So that's what we're, we're best at. Um, right. And so, being that that's our audience, we are our true audience, like just by nature, we were able to say, as a user, this is what I like and what I don't like. And so, everything that you'll see actually in our that goes to our developers and um, it gets, let's say, through our QA process is in the terms as a user, as a visiting user, as an affiliate partner on Tech Meets Trader. I, you know, so and so and so. Uh, I want to be able to fix my, let's say, password by clicking this link and this, you know, and so from by articulating the problem in the user's, pers- from the user's perspective, um, which was really us, it really drew the connection between the developers and the business team um, so that it was a really, really smooth flow of communication and there wasn't any Let's say Steve Jobs moments, but it was all this is what we need to accomplish. And here's the problem that as a user I'm having, and the engineering team, they love this problem solving, right? So they're like, okay, this is your problem. Great. Let's find a solution. And Mm -hmm. they have fun with that because they're challenged and they say, okay, this is great. Um, Or, you know, they're annoyed because their code breaks, but that happens as part of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now, Assuming, you know, you're at the phase of, okay, we've got this great um, beta, we're ready to launch and and we're super happy with with how the platform runs now. And also assuming that you're a great marketer, like it sounds like you know you're the expert in your field, so you know exactly who you're talking to and, and what language to use. Um, beyond the messaging, in terms of bringing it to market, what were... What would you attribute to the success of you know gaining so many users and and so much engagement in in such a
1: short time? Right. So in such in such a short time, we were. When I mentioned earlier that we raised funds, um, you know there was a snowball effect, and we were able to raise obviously more for our own team. And uh, we actually had the ability to hire a uh, marketing firm called Power Digital Marketing out of San Diego. Uh, Their digital marketing agency and who's for,
0: awesome, and, and hence how we got connected.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, By the we, way,
0: great. yeah, we love Power <laughs> Digital.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, shout out to Power Digital uh, and the team. And so they uh, really helped us build a foundation to, um, you know, retarget wow. users and coach us how to take our external delivery network and funnel users into our product to not only get users but also keep users and grow users Um, and uh, that's really what you want to do as a business right and they really help solidify those funnels and get everything uh, set so that we could replicate the process because you know when it's your first time going through the through and through uh, you want to have the experts do it and so by having those that knew what they were doing the experts set up the foundation and set up it saved us so much time Um, the that now it's just management so uh it was definitely a good decision of asking for help which our school actually connected us through um and uh yeah it was uh it was it was great you know um social media for us i guess in particular there's little growth hacks i guess that went along the way that you know it's not just hire a marketing firm and, and all your uh problems would be solved but they help provide the foundation, and then it's your job to find like the, what I call the growth hacks, which I, pretty much everyone calls the growth hacks these days. Um, but essentially what we did was we would gather email campaigns in advance. Uh, so we wanted to build a landing page with a large database beforehand, obviously, to build up the hype. Uh, our social accounts, what we did was um, we were using boosting uh, through engaging with other users, liking things and commenting on their posts and things of that nature, those uh, strategies to, you know, increase your audience before you even launch. And then when you do, uh, you better have a, you know, specific strategy to actually funnel these users from inactive, um, warm leads to, you know, active leads that are going to become your biggest advocates. Uh, So it was finding little chinks along the way and uh, I guess optimizing, through you know various services and and things of that nature to really accomplish, um, yeah, the, the through and through of the funnels.
0: That's awesome! That's such great advice, and it's really about like you know getting prepped before bringing it out.
1: Right, a hundred percent. Because a lot of people they want to jump into market, and it amazes me these days where
0: and they expect uh, so much right when they do.
1: <laughs> and, and they're, they're, they're so excited they, they can't. They can't even, you know, take time to fully QA their product. They're so excited, you know, they want to get it up and running, and, and they want to be that next billionaire so fast. But what they don't do is take the necessary time to de- to ensure and deliver quality um, to make sure that the first impression with their users that they have is the best impression that they could possibly put forth. Because you know, it's it's a lot, it's a lot harder to ask for forgiveness than it is to say, I'm sorry, right? So um, when, you know, it, you can apologize to users and say, oh, like, come back, you know, please interact with me or buy something from me or whatever your call to action is, you know, please, please come, whatever. But if they don't genuinely want to click that button and, and that link in the call to action at that instance because they like your brand from, you know, the onset, then you're in trouble. So take the time, um, to develop, your marketing campaigns, your, your overall base as a business, like find out where your niche is and how you're going to articulate it to everyone. Um, and then when you think you're ready, wait a couple months and test it.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And taking that time actually, you know, create shortcuts, (laughs) believe it or not, and saves you more time.
1: Exactly. Like automate the process that, okay, you know, you want to have for our team, we have a webinar service where we partner with affiliates and we onboard the user base we host the live trading screencast and you know the group chats and so for for us we were scheduling one by one with our affiliate partners um you know helping them for 10 minutes download the software it only took 10 minutes to download the software and get everything set up because we were coaching and teaching them as well Um, and you know, we realized like, wow, this is just very inefficient. We could totally just be automating this entire process. So we build that and that just builds you, builds you value in the next stage of your product because now you can optimize and have other funnels outside of that main drip. Um, and you know, you you can have spigots, let's say, uh, and, uh, it's just the evolution of the product, right? And, um, it's always just constantly has to be optimizing.
0: You are incredibly wise for how old? 24. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. so many people who have gone through, <laughs> you know, like so many. Well, anyways, it's just awesome where you're at. And I love the mindset that you're in.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I think, honestly, the biggest thing that kind of opened my eyes where most people maybe aren't as, uh, let's say, practical is I know mean, we were in 500 startups. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, Summer, but. Um, right now, it's it's known as one of the top you know VCs in Silicon Valley uh, for early stage seed stage startups, and um, so we had 32 companies from a, around the world. Uh, 16 were uh, from different countries, and um, it was 16 were from you know internal but all over you know scattered throughout, and. The amount of companies still staying today you know, shock was shocking. Even three, four months after the program had, had finished, it was amazing to see the the routes that some entrepreneurs took and the decisions that they made in the, their leadership styles and the way that they manage their business and kind of see it on a first-hand basis of what to do and what, most importantly, not to do. Uh, <laughs> that was the best learning experience was learning what not to do. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do still sometimes, but when I know not what to do, then I can pretty much ensure that i make a better decision.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a heck of an experience you should write about.
1: <laughs> I know, right? There's so much. Not enough time.
0: So who's the ideal customer for or user for tech meets trader? Should they be at a certain level in their trading experience? Or who who's your ideal?
1: So our community by nature is anyone that's really participating in the financial markets. Um, we customize to uh, active investors, which we quantify as one to three investments a month, um, to active traders who are making between three and 10 trades a month. And then the hyperactive traders that are making 10 to you know 50 trades, even 100 trades uh, a month. Um, so we we kind of segmented our features based off of what would be great for uh, each one of those communities, and we put it into a very organized Facebook-like uh, platform where it allows users to go into and find niches that they want to go uh, and learn about, whether it's retirement, right, and managing your 401k or IRA. Or if it's learning about dividend strategies or trading options, futures, bonds, um, you know, you name it, even implied volatility, swing trading. uh, There's so many different uh, areas and topics of finance where people uh, find unclear. And, you know, when you're in the industry, it kind of seems ridiculous that other people don't know it and because it seems so practical and basic. But the reality is, is um, people don't know this stuff. People are paying expensive management fees at uh, financial institutions for wealth management and investment advisory services. Um, and when all the information in, is available you know, to the public currently, everything that we get, I mean, we write a couple scripts and pulling like quant uh, data, but otherwise like pretty much everything that's based on our uh, investment decisions every day are based on public open information. And there's no different than other people that want to be, you know, self-directed and control their own destiny. It's the same concept of being an entrepreneur. You are an entrepreneur. You're managing your business as a trader. So anyone that uh, is participating and looking for extra income, whether it's, you know, you have a part-time job and, you know, during, we have people that are in their lunch break come there in very specific times of the day because they're trading during the lunch break and they want to have people to talk to and, and see what's moving in the market. And we also have people that are sitting on our platform doing live trade webinars, trading webinars in um, in chat rooms from five a m well I guess that's east or Pacific time. Uh, so it would be from eight a m Eastern time until four thirty p m Eastern time. So pretty much all day it's a daily tool for them. Um, so it is it's kind of what each user wants to to make it. Um, we're working on building you know more for every single type of investor, but uh, really, if you have any interest in financial markets, you want to learn more about how to find maybe an edge that fits your uh, time horizons or risk tolerance, you know, we're the community that really ties everything together and we're free. So that's the um, that's the catch for for our, you know, the, the kicker, if you will, for our users is you have nothing to lose by trying to reach out and ask for help and uh, starting a community and starting a conversation. So.
0: Well, I would imagine for, for those that are trading, whether it's full-time, part-time, I think when you're doing it, like you said, it could be you're alone a lot of the time, you know, in your office, just by yourself or wherever you have your everything set up. And to be able to have this type of community just is awesome. So it sounds like you've really answered a problem that I'm sure a lot of these people have been waiting for. Yeah,
1: it's, the feedback's been amazing, you know, and people are reaching out and, and I don't think I've... It's, I don't think I've ever had even a girlfriend treat me this nice. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great. You wake up because we're Pacific time, right? And so uh, the futures market opens at 5 a.m. and we have one client that his entire user base comes in and starts trading futures around 5:15, 5:30 a.m. our time. So our whole team has to be there, right? And um, it is ridiculous. Like oh, it's it's a blast. We love it and. Everyone's there. We, uh, as a team, we're always happy to help each other learn, help others profit. So it's good and gratifying to see that you get to help people and see other people's successes and watch them grow um, without really having to, you know, necessarily do anything or just pointing them in the right direction. It's a, uh, it's a great environment.
0: Well, I'm so excited, and especially with you know how you how you treat your clients, how they're treating you. Um, it just, I'm excited to see where this where this goes or and and how it evolves as as the years go um, appreciate
1: that.
0: in the meantime where can people find more information about you and about Tech Meets Trader? I think it's TechMeatstrader.com.
1: it is it's Um www.techmeetsTrader.com to works uh, and you know any mobile browser uh, any desktop you know you can go through and experience the entire platform um, my name is Warren Lorenz. You can be sure to send me a friend request and reach out to me there if you have any questions or um, you know, I'm not allowed to offer specific investment advice, but you know, I can help navigate you to um, whatever you know, you may be interested in and finding your solution. And uh, we have a whole team that's, you know, looking forward to meeting more investors and people that are participating and learning and growing and earning together. So um, Techministrator.com, uh, for me, I have a LinkedIn profile you can reach out to, too. But uh, if you want to contact me directly, the best way is through the platform.
0: Awesome. And we'll have um, links to your LinkedIn and, of course, um, tech meets Trader platform. And Warren, this has been awesome. So many takeaways just in in leadership, raising money, building a new platform, being an entrepreneur, like all kinds of good stuff. So I really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for sharing your experience and all that you're up to with us.
1: Uh, thank you, Summer. Thank you for having me. And best of luck to you and the team. And I look forward to learning more about you know the draw shop. Thank you. Awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future Genius guests.